2: Hello, we are live again from the Wisconsin Sports Heroics Wisco Fanatics Facebook pages, as well as the Wisco Fanatics YouTube page. And we're going to be talking Bucks basketball and Brewers baseball today. Uh, Before we get started, if you already don't know, you see it on the bottom right-hand corner. Uh, Parker Johns sponsoring the show. uh, Four locations, Sheboygan, Keele, Menasha, and Green Bay. Uh, Jake and I definitely want to get up to the Green Bay, Parker Johns, hopefully sooner than later and uh, hopefully get a chance to meet with some Packer fans up there that have been following the show since last season. Um, it's going to be exciting. that It'll be our, our second season of doing the show during Packer season. So it'll be really cool to uh, be able to meet with some of the fans of the show and fans of the Packers and uh, kind of interact with people that check in and watch the show every week. So, Jake, how you doing?
1: Good. Um, I'm going to add something in there when we, you know, Tyler's talking about that live. My dad wanted to join us. Uh, if you watch the show, you know my dad, Pat. And my dad actually lost the bet for the 4th of July hot dog eating yeah. contest. <laughs> and I was just talking to him today, and he said he wants to get pied in the face live. So if you want to see somebody get um, pied in the face, come check us out live when we do that. We'll uh, come up with more details about that later.
2: Fairbanks, Alaska, that is awesome. It's really cool to see so far where the show has gone. I know last Packers season we had somebody say hi from Ireland and Costa Rica and Virginia. It's, it's cool to see where where people are watching the show from. So thanks for commenting. That's really cool that we have somebody watching the show from Alaska.
1: Yeah, man, that's sweet.
2: <laughs> All right, let's start with Bucks hawks The Bucks were able to finish the Hawks series in six games. Um, when we talked about it last week, um, we were kind of leaning towards maybe it being seven games. The Bucs could have to finish the two games at home. But Bucks got it done in six. Um, something that really surprised me after Giannis got injured in game four is that he was trying to play game five. He was trying to play game five already. Like, I know, I know. He's, got that, he's got that mentality of, you know, like he wants to do everything all the time. But uh, that was one of those situations where they had to kind of protect him from himself. And, you know, when people are asking the question of was he ready to be back for this game, we talked to, you know, Jake, I had Jake mention it when he was talking about the keys on Monday that, you know, he was reportedly under an army of observers. So I knew that if they're coming into this situation where Giannis is going to play, there were going to be tons of opinions on if he was ready to go or not. It wasn't going to be like, yeah, one team doctor said like, yeah, he's probably okay. It was definitely going to be like first opinion, second opinion, you know, the team doctors, the medical staff, you know, everybody was going to sign off on it before he played. So I'm not super nervous that, you know, Giannis did end up playing and it didn't look like it affected him. So let's see. Let's see what the Bucks did without Giannis before we move into game one of the finals. Let's start with game five. Jake, what did you see from game five?
1: Uh, game five was the Bobby Portis show, was the Brooke Lopez show, was a little bit of home cooking. Uh, it was definitely what the Bucs needed after losing game four and Giannis. Uh, you know, when you play at home, it calms the nerves. Uh, and the role players usually play better at home. You get a feed off the energy. Uh, you know, everybody really played good. Bobby had a great game. Brooke Lopez was a leading scorer with 33. Uh, just. Really just Bucks played good at home. They beat they beat a team that they should have beat anyways. They shouldn't have lost game one, should not have won six games, in my opinion. We should have beat them in five games. Uh game four, they beat beat us. I mean, I'm not gonna say that when we should have won, but uh they came off flat that game. No excuses, is what it is. But game five was really just broke Lopez killing down low. Bucks really went down there and took control of the paint. And Bobby Portis added that spark, man. He really filled in nicely for Giannis, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, and then that's who I thought was going to get the starting nod with Giannis being out. Um, the combination of Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis combined for 106 out of the 123 points that the Bucks scored in Game 5. So it was really, you know, we talked last week, and I, I showed, I went, you know, there's eight, name, 8 games, 9 games, 10 games, 11 games that most of the Bucks have played this year without Giannis. And I highlighted, you know, that seems basically every situation that everybody stepped their game up without Giannis. And that's, that's what came to pass. I mean, both games, really um, games, five and six, everybody stepped their game up and definitely the starting lineup for sure. And like I said, 106 out of the 123 points, Um, they out rebounded, they out stole, they out assisted Atlanta in game five. They had fewer turnovers, which is something that's been a big deal. Something that I've harped on, every show for the last three months. Um, the three-point shooting, kind of iffy, um, is what it is. Um, Brooke Lopez, Jay, you highlighted Jake, he did have his playoff career high, so kind of wanted to give him some credit for that. Um, the other thing that I want to give credit for is Chris Milton and Drew Holiday. Um, the Hawks cut the game pretty close a few times in the second half, but every time the Hawks got close, it was Middleton and Holiday countering.
1: So star showed players, up, man. You have to did. have that happen. It was
2: perfect. I mean, that's all you could really you know, want from those two. And then same for Brooke and Bobby. I mean, everything you could want from those two, they did it. Um, offensively and defensively. Um, the only thing I can say for defense that kind of sucks is Pat Connaughton's just too short for Gallinari. Is what it is. I mean, the best you can do is contest it. He made he made a lot of tough shots in that series. He's a, he's a good day. player, man. He, he just, made a lot of contested jump shots in that series. He, did, he um, did. Game five, the Bucks did lead the entire game, and so far through every series, you know, I've highlighted you know, a bunch of X factor guys. This is one of the things that I asked Jake to, to say for some of my keys. Um, my key for this series, my X factor for this series, was Kevin Herter. In game five, he was three for twelve on field goals. So they were able to keep that guy down. And, you know, the Hawks were really relying on just Trey Young, Bogdan, and Gallinari to make all their jump shots. And some games it worked out for him, some games it didn't. And then we can move into game six. Trey Young came back for that game, and he was four for 17. And
0: Drew Holiday
2: in game six played some fantastic defense, he was everywhere on defense. He was literally everywhere. I know you brought up the uh, when you were doing your keys about Drew Holiday, and they mentioned during the broadcast he was going to guard every player on the Hawks. Yeah, uh, he did. He, that. Had, he had a bunch of steals. I mean, Drew Holiday finished 27, nine rebounds, nine assists, four steals, and two blocks.
1: Yeah, he was the man, That's, dude. He
2: was, he was awesome. Um, so that I want to get your opinion on this. Do you think Trey Young coming back hurt the Hawks in that game?
1: I don't think it hurt them, but it didn't help them either. I mean, I mean, I mean, nah, it probably did help them more than it hurt them. I'm really weighing this. It probably did help them more than it hurt them because then you have to think about Trey Young. Like he could still stand still and hit shots, even if he's not explosive and yada, yada. He's not getting to the rim like he normally does, but he could still stand there and be a shooter for you. He could be a jump sh- jump shooter, you know. So he probably helped more than he hurt. But they'd let him be a ball handler, and obviously, being out a couple of games, you know, he seemed to get a little gas. But he didn't. He didn't have the same quickness. Um, somebody I do want to shout out, and I know me and you were getting kind of frustrated at him during the game was Cam Radish. That guy, oh, when he puts it all together, he,
2: he, almost, he almost had as good of a third quarter as Chris Oh,
1: yeah, he he was he was damn good in that game you know for a young kid man he he could be something um i was gonna say you know you were talking about drew holiday i personally i know a lot of bucks fans don't feel this way i personally thought drew holiday was the best player on the floor for for three out of the four quarters the only quarter he wasn't was obviously when chris middleton went crazy 23 points you know he was nuts he carried us i'm not gonna say anything bad about chris middleton uh middleton is balling out in these playoffs man um I know I I said a little piece on Monday that, you know, maybe we need to stop the Chris slander because before the season I talked about he doesn't earn anything from me, you know, and a lot of people in the regular season season, when it, when it counts, you know, we we need him to step up and this was a perfect situation, you know, because Giannis went down and Chris really, really stepped up and, and earned his keep, you know, I mean, he really balled out and, he showed that he he was a, a legit number two. I mean, he had, he carried us for a couple. I mean, he did it against the Nets too, man. He had huge quarters and huge fourth quarters. And Chris Middleton's balling out, man. He definitely deserves our respect. Uh, when we get to game one, dude, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little upset at Drew Holiday because of one of my keys. Um, but we'll get there in a second. But I just want to say that game six gave me one of the biggest emotional highs of my entire life, you know, seeing the Bucks finally make the finals, you know, after watching the Brewers being in the National League, you know, championship series. And obviously the Packers are always in the championship game, it seems like. And, you know, always coming up short, you know. And my girlfriend's, like, sleeping in bed with my baby. And I'm trying not to be super loud. And I'm like, oh, my God, we made the finals. What the hell? You know, I'm just going crazy. And it was a, it was a crazy game, man. <sighs> It was crazy. I'm still. I'm. I could just cry right now. I'm so happy. <laughs> it was amazing to be in the in the final. You. <laughs> All
2: right. So game six. Uh, you mentioned Chris Middleton having his crazy quarter. Um, third highest scoring quarter in playoff history. That 23 points. Um, at one point, I didn't know. I didn't really realize this. Like like we knew he was going crazy. He scored 16 straight points for the Bucks at one point. Yeah. So. The fourth quarter, I know you texted me during the fourth quarter. You know, it was getting a little concerning. But I reminded you, like we've reminded fans on the show, in comments, in person, basketball is a game of runs. And especially in a situation where Atlanta, if they lost, they're staying home. So we we were going to get their absolute best shot when their backs against the, the wall. You know, we're up by 20 points, you know. We're going to get every single last bit of effort we got from the Hawks. And we are able to push the lead back out. Um, Nate McMillan was telling his players, empty the tank. You know, just they were in an elimination game. So it's a game of runs. Like it's going to happen, but the Bucs can open up a big lead and it can get cut way back down. You know, the teams that are in these playoffs, they're here for a reason. You know, it's, they, yeah. it didn't happen by accident. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my X-Factor, Kevin Herter from the Hawks, game six, two for 10. So the Bucks were able to keep a lid on Kevin Herter. And that's, you know, he was the guy that buried the, the 76ers in their game seven with the Sixers. So um, the Bucks were able to keep a lid on him in games five and six. And Jeff, what about Jeff Teague just showing up out of nowhere and dropping a bunch of trays? Three for three. And Doing threes, his job, man. 11 points. And and then playoff Pat showing up. He had thirteen points in Game Six.
1: So that, man, I you mean, need to start s- respecting Pat Connaughton, dude. I'm even real sick dude, of the Pat really stand, man. We me and you talk all the long. time. Yeah, me yeah. and you talk all the time about you know how how important he is to our team. He's a he's a lunch bill guy, man. So we need him on our team. He does a lot of stuff for us.
2: He does everything. Um. So basically between games five and six, what I saw was both games just complete team wins. You know, I mean, you can highlight, you know, Middleton's crazy third quarter or, you know, you know, the Bobby Chance feeling Bobby Portis in game five, but both of these games were really complete team efforts. Um, Even down to guys like PJ Tucker, you know, there's still, there's still questioning around, Why is PJ Tucker on this team? You know, what does he do? What does he not do? People got to look past the fact that he has games where he only scores three points or five points. Like,
0: he's not going to score 11
2: or 14 every game. That's not really his role. His role is to play tough, tenacious defense and get some offensive rebounds, which he's actually pretty good at in game six. He had four offensive rebounds. So, yeah,
1: he does does uh, that a lot. PJ
2: Tucker is going to keep playing a whole lot. And then. Two other things yet before we move on to Game 1. Um, the Bucks Game 6, 19-21 on free throws. That's huge. Huge knocking down free throws in the playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> we'll talk about that. We'll yeah, talk about we'll that. talk about it. Uh, and then Games 4, 5, and 6. Um, game 4, obviously won it by Atlanta. And Games 5 and 6, obviously won by Milwaukee. Not a single lead change in any of those three games.
1: I know. I heard that said. That's amazing.
2: That's crazy. I have no idea if that's ever happened before, but uh, that definitely stuck out to me that it was weird that, uh, you know, games four, five, and six, the team that led led the entire game. Um, Do you have anything else before we move into game one?
1: No. No. All right,
2: let's talk Bucks Suns. I'll let you kick it off. I actually have a lot of notes because I kept my notebook during the game and basically wrote down a lot of stuff that I was texting you, and just what to, to get into in one game more than I would have expected, honestly. But uh, let's talk about it. Talk about game six or game one. Right. Right.
1: So the so stance that, I'm taking yeah, is I'm gonna say my little piece. I'm going to let you say your piece, and I'm going to play off of what you say. You know, we're going to have a little debate here. Uh, we're probably going to agree on a lot of it, so it's not much of a debate, but we're going to talk about it. Oh, uh, things, things that I saw. Um, you know, I was just thinking about our keys, and my number one key was to control the boards. And, you know, when you look at the box score, it looks like the Bucks. It was, it was kind of – it was close. I mean, but really only one guy in the Suns was killing us on the boards. DeAndre, he did his job. No. Did you see that little video, little side note? Did you see that video of uh, Chris Paul stealing Aiton's 20th rebound? No. <laughs> yeah, it was like right at the end. He was like kind of tipping it, and then Chris Paul was right there, and he just grabs it, and I'm just like, oh, dude, you got a little bit. 20 and 20. Like, come on. <laughs> I know you're excited to be in the finals, Chris, but you only had four rebounds, bud. <laughs> but uh, anyways, man, I mean, it was 47 to 43 on the boards. Uh, Chris Paul and Devin Booker really controlled this game. You know, I was texting uh, I was texting you, I was texting my dad, I was texting a bunch of people. And one thing that I kept saying is the Suns are just way too comfortable. They controlled the pace of that game entirely. And I'm going to credit that to the Bucks having to do the much quicker turnaround. I mean, think about what the Bucs had to go through the last couple of years. A couple of years ago, two games away, they get – basically swept out after being up 20. Yep. Then last year going to the bubble, getting our butts handed to us by the heat, and then this year having to fight through everything, fight through, you know, people were saying we're going to lose the heat. People are saying there's no way we're going to beat the Nets. And now Trey Young dominates game 1. People were saying the Hawks are going to beat us and then finally making it. That's such an emotional high. You know, people counting you out all the time. You have to go on the road, you know, you only had a couple days to turn around, you know, from that that high to coming in and trying to be refocused for game one. The Suns had an extended period of time. They're at home. They didn't have to travel. So it was like the Suns were already comfortable, man. They had a couple of days to yeah. celebrate and get that out of their system, you know. And that's something to take into account, you know, the mentality of the game. So um, that really played a factor for me. Um, yeah. So with I mean, that being said, very I'm very well, but,
2: yeah, ben. um, I'll let you continue after that. I just want to say the with that um with that is the preparation time also so it's you know it's not just about the rest and you know you know being ready to go like having that preparation and you know being able to look for five days hey we're playing the bucks and then the bucks have hey we have two days and we have to fly back from atlanta cross over to phoenix
1: right and try to
2: work in preparation for phoenix in two days right go ahead
1: so I mean, on top of that, I mean, I was just going to say my next point is, you know, think about Budenholzer too, you know, because I was going to say preparation. That's why I said we're probably going to agree on a lot of this, you know, Budenholzer. People are calling for his head all the time. You know, he's down in Atlanta, he gets swept in the Eastern Conference Finals. He comes to Milwaukee, he can't get the job done. Can't get the job done. He finally gets the job done. There's that photo of Budenholzer jumping into one of the assistant's arms, and he, you can just, you could feel the emotion in the picture. You know, there's, there's, there, there is those pictures every once in a while. So, to me. I'm happy after game one. Am I happy that we lost? Absolutely not. Did we right. get our butts whooped in the free throw category? Absolutely. We got hosed on that. I'm not yeah. one that usually complains about refs because my dad's always told me that it usually evens out. And usually it does. You know, you give it a chance, it usually yep. evens out. In this game, they called some late fouls to really, really make it look more even than it was, but it was not even for the first three and a half quarters. Yep. I'll tell you that right now. Yep. The Bucks had more threes made. They had more rebounds. They had more assists. They they both had 22 bench points, so you can't say either of the benches killed. I mean, Giannis had twenty seventeen. Chris Middleton played great, 29-7 and four. The one person that I said I was going to be upset at was Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday, 10 points, seven rebounds, nine assists. Four of 14. Drew, I get it. Giannis is back. And for the first quarter, Giannis played well. He didn't look like he had the same – Peppin' step, I'll say. Didn't have the same lift, but he was still Giannis, you know? Um, It was in the second corner when he got that amazing block that we were all kind of like, okay, this is Giannis. But Drew Holiday, man, you just talked about it in the presser about staying aggressive and how your teammates are always telling you to stay aggressive. He has to force the issue. And you know one way to do that? No more switching on those screens. That is... That and the free throws is the entire reason the Phoenix Suns won yep. this game. Easily. Not for one second do I think that the Phoenix Suns are better than the Bucks. Not for one no, second. No. No, I don't think they're better. I really don't. I think the Bucks have no. a better team, especially yep. now that Saric is out. He's I got a 20 a ACL. Yep. That's huge for us. Not that we wish injuries on anybody because we absolutely do not. We don't laugh right. at injuries. Yep. Yep. Injuries are the worst part of the game. But he's out. He tore his ACL, and that was one person I was worried about because he's height off the bench. Um, I mean, other, I mean, Drew Holiday's got to stay aggressive. Bucks can't be switching those screens. You gotta, you either gotta, you know, tell them to to go high, and we just rotate high, and we just allow them to shoot those corners. We gotta let Crowder shoot. We gotta let Torrey Craig shoot. They're not gonna kill us. They're not guys that are gonna go eight of a, eight of ten or eight of eleven. And you know what? If they do, congratulations. freaking
2: so you know what this reminds me of is the situation where we were talking during the Miami series about let's let's let Duncan Robinson and Dwayne Bedman try to beat us instead of Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo and Goran Draghi so now we're in a situation where it's like yes let's dare let's dare Jay Crowder to beat us let's dare Frank Kaminsky to beat us like you know, as a Wisconsin fan, you know, we could probably live with that a little bit better than, you know, uh, Tory Craig or uh, Dario Sarge for that, for that matter. But yeah. you know, it, it's not letting Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton beat us. And the combination, Chris Paul got off to a slow start in this game. He missed his first four shots, I think, and it didn't matter because the Bucs were over-switching everything, and he kept getting Lopez on him and kept getting Drew Holiday on DeAndre Ayton, and they just kept getting oops for layups and dunks. Like, it was way too easy for Phoenix with that over-switching scheme. And that's when I texted you that that reminded me exactly of Game 1 versus Atlanta. The Bucks were over-switching everything. Trae Young went off for 48 points. Game 2, they stopped doing that. And they blew out the Hawks. I'm not expecting the Bucks to come and blow out the Suns in Game Two, but I expect some major adjustments on the defensive side of the ball. Offense, they got a little ISO heavy in the second and third quarters. They kind of got they kind of got caught up in that again. Um, didn't end up being too huge of a deal. Um, still something they need to keep an eye on, especially now with with Giannis being back. Um, they need to keep an eye on how much isolation they're playing. Um when they do the pick and roll, they're it's damn near unstoppable. We've talked about it. I mean, the Bucks the Bucks beat the Nets with Giannis and Middleton running pick and rolls. Mm-hmm. It's it's super effective because they're both smart players and they both know what to do. And now Brooke Lopez has a bunch of experience in the last three games alone of running the pick and roll and getting alley oops. Brooke Lopez is dropping oops like crazy in games five and six.
1: Dude, but I was the, just you know, I'm, i was just gonna say if you let Giannis and Middleton run pick and roll, Drew Holiday is amazing with Brooke Lopez. So maybe if you know teams start catching on to that middleton Giannis, you can let a Drew and a Brooke Lopez run it and they we could just be as effective. You know what?
2: You know what we just figured out right here? So, we, just, we just built the rotations. We just built yeah, we the rotations. Did. You let I mean, you can sub Middleton and Giannis out together and leave Drew and Brooke in and have guys like Forbes, Connaughton, Portis around them and let Brooke and, and Drew run the same exact plays that you let Middleton and Giannis run. Yeah. And, and I trust Drew to shoot the ball. He didn't shoot the ball well in game one, but I still trust him to shoot the ball because he proved in games five and six that he can in, you know, in the pressure situations. You know, it's mm-hmm. unfortunate that he had a bad game. Um, and you know, the free throw thing, it sucks. And there were some awful calls. I feel really bad for Bryn Forbes because he had one possession where he played really, really good defense on Devin Booker, and Booker got a step inside the free throw line, and Bryn Forbes is just standing there with an arm up and he got a foul call on him. Like I felt bad for Bryn Forbes because he played great defense that possession and got a foul call on him. <laughs> Middleton drives to the lane in the next play, gets hands all tangled up in his arms and gets no foul call. Like Middleton finished with like four turnovers because he couldn't get foul calls when he drives to the basket. That drives me insane that Middleton gets no calls when he's aggressive because that obviously leads to turnovers. And I feel like that discourages him from driving to the basket. You, you which know what? is you actually know what? pretty decent app.
1: You know what really kind of bothers me? I didn't mean to interrupt you again, buddy. But like, uh, Booker, you know, earlier in the second quarter, he had that one play where he tried to do the pump and then lean forward into a foul, and he didn't get the call. And right away, when it went to timeout, a guy that's getting all the calls and shot eight free throws in the first quarter by himself, he goes to the ref and starts complaining about getting calls. I really feel like the Bucs are going to come out. You know, they're gonna they're gonna come out tomorrow. I I fully expect a much better Bucks team. Not that the yep. Bucks played terrible, but I fully yep. expect this series to be tied going into Sunday. And then you know what I expect to see on Sunday? The I expect to see Devin off. Booker complaining to the refs a lot. That's what I expect I, to see on Sunday.
2: So I just said this when we were talking about the switching, that I expect some major adjustments going into game two. And, mm-hmm. you know, like Boone gets a lot of flack. I don't think he's the best at in-game adjustments but this playoffs, this entire playoffs, he's shown that he's been really damn good at game-to-game adjustments. I can agree with that. He's been really good game-to-game adjustments because he did it during the Miami series, and that led to a sweep. And he did it during the Brooklyn series with guys coming on and off the floor. Um, you know, same thing we talked about it, we're not cheering for injuries, but they happen. It's part of the game. All the bullshit about people saying you know there needs to be an asterisk next to this title because there's not an L.A. and a Brooklyn team in here because guys were hurt. That's a bullshit excuse. It is. It's bullshit. Injuries happen. It's part of the game, and it's a cop out and it's an excuse. You can you just miss me with that. So that being said, injury happens to Trey Young too. Then Giannis gets injured. You know all these things lead to adjustments, and I want to give Budenholzer credit credit for adjusting to all of those situations and getting the Bucks as far as they are. For me, you said you know you're happy with game one, obviously not happy that they lost. I'm not happy that they lost either. But but this does like I said, it reminded me of game one against the Hawks. The game one of every single series has been a feel it out game. Yep. And the Bucks lost game one of this series, they lost game one of the Atlanta series, they lost game one of the Brooklyn series, and game one of the Miami series went into overtime and the Bucks only won that game because Chris Middleton hit a game winner. Yep. So they could have lost that game too. So the first game of every single series has been a feel it out game. And two of those games are on the road. So I mean, when we talk about you know games one and two are in Phoenix, what do every coach say that they want to do? Obviously they want to win both, but they're happy with a split. Yeah. So if the Bucks can come out tomorrow night and get a win, they're happy. They're going home up or not up, but they've stolen, you know, the home court advantage. And if the Bucks can go back to Phoenix in game five, potentially up three to one, that's a huge deal.
1: Oh, I think I would cry if we're up three to one going into Phoenix. <laughs> I'd be like, dude, we were literally.
2: And that's a that's one of those situations, you know, where either, you know, Phoenix is going to come out and, you know, they're going to put a heavy, heavy effort. I mean, it's the NBA Finals. So obviously you're going to get the team's best shot. Or, you know, they, they come all kind of scared and, you know, maybe the Bucs can just put the hammer down.
1: Well, We'll see. I mean, I'll say this. The Suns, you know, they had the most road wins in the NBA this year, in the regular season. They've shown the ability to win on the road in this playoffs. They've won multiple road games. Same thing with the Bucks. This series is going seven, in my opinion. Uh, I just – I remember that the other day we didn't give our series previews, like our predictions. Um yeah, the, the,
2: I bet for the for the NBA playoffs, which little foreshadowing. Jake's getting a pie today.
1: I do, yeah. So if you want to <laughs> see somebody get a pie shoved in their face, my girlfriend I is did, very I excited to do it. Out,
2: but I had the Bucks and the Suns in the finals. I just want to throw that out there.
1: I had uh, I had Lakers Bucks, which obviously the Suns took care of that. So I I mean I'll gladly take this pie because the Bucks are in the finals right now. So
2: all right, so. One thing that I want to bring up, the foul thing, like you said, it, it, it did end up getting closer to evening out. Um, the Bucks had 18 fouls, Phoenix had 14. Um, the Bucks third quarter. So the Bucks, there was one p- specific rotation where the Bucks closed the gap down to seven points, and that was when they were running Giannis at the five. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't expect to see a ton of this going forward, just because like we talked about, um, I think the switching is going to, come down a lot. Um, I do expect to see more Pat Connaughton. Um, when the when the Bucks were doing a, like a heavy switching scheme against the Nets, it was not working out for them. Uh, it didn't work out in the Atlanta series. But when they started playing Pat Connaughton more, Pat Connaughton is the guy that has the, the speed and the athleticism to hedge way out on the screener. That's That's when his man is setting a screen that he takes a step towards half court on his man to make the guy that has the ball dribble closer to half court and take him two more steps away from the basket. And then Pat Connaughton has the athleticism to get back to his man, the guy that's at the screen, um, without giving up you know, a layup or a wide-open three-pointer in enough time for the guy who's getting screened to get back to the ball handler. Um, I think Pat Connaughton did a great job of that, especially in the Brooklyn series. Um, and I, you know, I would like to see more of that in this series, um, just because, like I said, I think his athleticism fits with that. Um, I did not like seeing Brooke Lopez guarding Chris Paul and Devin Booker as many times as he was last night.
1: I feel bad for Brooke because I think a couple times a couple he actually time. played pretty good defense. Like, you know, it, you know just a couple of weeks ago when we were complaining about it, he would be four or five feet off the guy, you know, and that was just a wide open little pull-up. But I think he was actually contesting him pretty solid. I just think Chris Paul and Devin Booker want to, you know, they are some of the better mid-range scorers, you know, Chris this league Paul has. Off. Them, I mean, Chris Paul's been doing it for 16 years now. That's his shot, man. He yeah. dribbles around. He snakes around. He'll find – he'll – he will find he will he does it against point guards. Good defenders, man. So, against guess, Brooke Lopez, I mean, he got a couple of lucky bounces, in my opinion, but he's a good shooter. It's called Shooter's Touch, right? Shooter's but, Touch, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and Devin Booker, Devin Booker's Devin Booker. I mean, he, he got some calls last night, but – I expect that because, you know, the April 19th game, the Bucks lost against the Suns and guess who got a call at the end of that overtime? Do you remember that game? Yeah. I don't want to talk about it. That, yeah. That,
2: that was me. Cause like, I, you know, I was looking up the, you know, going into the R keys, I was looking right. up, you know, the, the two games, both of the regular season games were decided by one point, both mm-hmm. in irritating fashion. Um, and that, that's still the fact that P.J. Tucker got that foul call on him for like a finger touching an elbow and Devin Booker only getting the call because he yelled like he got fouled really hard. That's still, ugh. I will say, Devin Booker is one of those guys who's going to have to change his play style next season. Um, he did get called for one. He got one call that went the Bucks' way when he kicked his leg out and he got the offensive foul call. Um, that's, a, that's, that's an offensive foul every time if you're trying to draw a foul by kicking your leg out.
1: And, it's not a you natural know, motion.
2: Right. So he does that almost every time he shoots when it's not on a pull-up. You know, if he's not dribbling the ball and shooting off the dribble, like he kicks his yeah. leg out really far like that every time. Um, But then he's doing the thing where, you know, he's doing the pump fake and then he's leaning in. That next season is going to be an offensive foul.
1: I know. So, I'm very yeah. excited for that because I'm sick and tired of watching that bullcrap. Oh, my
2: God. James Harden can – off. um so that's gonna be that's gonna be an offensive follow next season so Booker yeah. um, Booker's not gonna be able to do that next season
1: um, you know yeah. it
2: might you know it might work to his benefit for the rest of the finals but um you know we'll see what happens with that um the Bucks too they got a whole bunch of offensive rebounds there was one possession where where Brooke and Middleton both had like three offensive rebounds a piece in the one possession and they just couldn't get the ball to fall
1: oh um, my god.
2: It's just a little unlucky, honestly. Um, so, you know, all that, all of this being said, the Bucks lost by what, 13 points. Like it's, it's deceiving. You know, you can say, oh, the Bucks lost by double digits. Like this game, like you said, the, the Bucks are the more talented team, I think. Um, I just think Phoenix was just executed a little bit better and, um, you know, got some, got some calls that went their way. And That's just how it went. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you think about it, even the turnovers that I bring up a lot, some of those plays, if the Bucks get foul calls on some of those turnovers, you know that turnover battle is closer. I mean, that's just one more thing. Um, What I did want to say is I texted you this last night. um, The Bucks need to get more transition. Yeah. That's they're one of the best teams in the league if not the best team in the league, in transition. And, you know, we talked about it last week um, about guys like Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis getting out on the fast break uh, when they're contesting jump shots by mm-hmm. guards. So in a situation where, you know, the ball is rotating around and say say a guy like Torrey Craig is standing on the top of the three-point line wide open and he shoots a three and he misses and Brooke Lopez takes off. And then he's got, you know, Torrey Craig's the only guy who's close enough to him to guard him. And, you know, Brooke Lopez can just hold him off with one arm and get a catch. Get that in the
0: the of the game.
2: It was Jay Crowder that was on him when yeah. it happened. And, you know, Jay Crowder is strong, but he's still not big enough.
1: I so, mean, Brooke Lopez is enormous.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, DeAndre Ayton's is the only guy that they can really throw at him. Even Kaminsky is, uh, I think, Two inches shorter than Brooke.
1: Man, I was so upset when Kaminsky came in the game. They didn't just give the ball to Brooke every play. Like, dude, I know he missed that one against Kaminsky, but do it. Go back to the well. well. Keep going to that until it does not work. Yeah.
2: So, anyway, moral of the story, um, fucking to get more in transition is what I want to see for offensive adjustments. Um, just, Just get the rebounds. Just go. You know the Bucks have lots of guys that can bring the ball up the floor. Use Drew Holiday after a made bucket. Then he's your, you know, he's your true point guard. But in in a transition situation, you have Middleton can bring the ball up, Drew can bring the ball up, and Giannis can bring the ball up. One of those three gets the rebound. Everybody else go. I saw it too many times, and it happened. It happened during some of the Atlanta games too, where two or three guys are hanging back behind half court when the other team's five guys are all back on defense, ready to play defense and then they're just passing behind half court. It's happening between Middleton and Holiday a lot. Um, I'd like to see less of that, and I'd like to see more go.
1: But I'm going to make two points. One, Giannis needs to stop bringing the ball up. The only time I want to see Giannis bring the ball up is if we go to that small mm-hmm. formation and Giannis is at the five and he grabs every damn rebound anyways on our team. If he grabs a rebound and he just decides he's going to go. Go. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yes, that's transition. Giannis has that ability. He's one of the he's one of the top I would say two scariest people in transition. Um him and LeBron are my top two scariest yeah. people in transition. That's who yep. I would really say. Um yep. and then two, I would like to see a lineup with Drew, Chris, Pat Bobby and Giannis at the five. I think that is a killer lineup. You got, you know, you got the, the defense of everybody. You could, you got rebounding on the floor. You got shooting on the floor. Yet, I mean, you got you got pretty much everything on the floor with that lineup. And Bobby likes to get transition buckets in the first place, so he goes down there. And, you know, he posts posts those little guys up, and if they double him, swing that baby right out. I thought the Bucks were a little bit slow. I mean, Stan Van Gundy said it yesterday. The Bucs were just a second slower than the Suns on reaction time yesterday. Yeah. I think that might have been the bright lights. Oh, from ball yeah. just a just a couple things, you know, mentality wise, like I was saying earlier, that, you know, maybe got to the Bucs a little bit. That's why I'm fully yeah. expecting the Bucks to come back tomorrow. And right. I am I'm thinking the Bucks are gonna win game two and it's gonna be tied one one going back to Milwaukee on Sunday.
2: Yeah. I agree. It's gonna be it's not going to be like game two of the Atlanta series where the Bucks came out 1 by 20. Um, I think it's going to be one of those situations where it ends up being like a really low-scoring, grinded-out, like 195-type situation. Yep. Um, and it's really going to need to be basically the starters scoring a bulk of the points. And what they need to do is they need to exploit mismatches the same way the Phoenix did in game one. Like I said, Chris Paul started... Over three for sure, if not over four. But he was dropping dimes to Aiton because Aiton kept getting small guys on him. That's, yep. that's too easy for Phoenix. You can't keep over switching like that and expect not you know a dominant paint big man not to score every time.
1: And yeah, you're making it too easy it at that became,
2: point. Second half it became the Chris Paul show when Chris Paul had a big guy on him and all he had to do was make a couple dribble moves, do a step back, and he had a wide open shot. Yep. Just all that over-switching just makes it too easy, for
1: I agree. You know, they say too much of something is never good. doesn't matter what it is. Too much of something is never good, man.
2: So I thought it was kind of interesting. You know, it obviously ended up not really mattering because they were doing so much switching. But um, P.J. Tucker started on Chris Paul and Drew Holiday started on Devin Booker. Um, I kind of thought that was going to flip-flop and they'd have Holiday on Chris Paul. and. Tucker on Booker, but you know, like I said, all the switching that they did made it really not matter, but um, we'll see if they stick with that for game two. Maybe that's one of those things, like I said, game one, feel it out game. Maybe that's just something that, that Budenholzer was trying out for game one. Um, we'll see, but like I said, I expect a lot of adjustments, major adjustments, both sides of the ball. Um, I don't know if you have anything else to say. I do have one more thing I want to give
1: I, I think I know the thought yeah, process of putting P.J. on Chris Paul because P.J. is a little, in, uh, little bit better at going through screens. He could fight through more screens, and, you know, obviously Chris Paul is the master at the pick and roll. So that was one thing I was really, really worried about because the Bucks are usually terrible at guarding pick and roll. It's the most simple play in basketball, but it's also the hardest to guard, which makes <laughs> no sense. But – if- depending
2: on where it is, Brooke Lopez is really good at defending it. Like if they try to start the pick and roll like the elbow, Brooke Lopez is really good at defending it and he's good at getting deflections when they try to make passes, but if you're starting it out on the three-point line and then Brooke Lopez is doing that thing where he sags, you know, damn near to the paint, that's that's when the Bucks get in trouble.
1: Yeah, that so, high pick and roll, that's really what kills us. Right.
2: Um one last thing I want to do is is give Giannis credit for not settling for jump shots. Um, yep. Even late in the shot clock, he had a couple times where it was down like six seconds. Giannis still attacked the basket, didn't settle for jumpers. Um, wanted to give Giannis credit for that before we moved on because um, he did it a lot during the Brooklyn series. He settled for a lot of jump shots. And coming back from a, a pretty scary injury, one that looked like really gross. And being in a situation where is you know are you going to be done for the for the playoffs? Are you going to be done for the season? Is it going to be worse? Like, um. So I want to give Giannis credit for not forcing a bunch of jump shots. Um, I don't know if you have anything else for Game One or looking forward to Game Two, Three.
1: No, I think the one thing that needs to change. Uh, Wilkins is texting with the Nets. And they killed us the first few games. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think the one thing that needs to change is just Drew just being a little bit more assertive. Uh, Drew is definitely better when he's aggressive on offense because then he's more locked in on defense. He kind of has that same thing as Bledsoe. So, I'm hoping to see all three of our big three play good together. Something we haven't seen this playoffs. It's, it's always two. Yep. it's always two of them. It's, it's in one game. It was only one, but it's always at least two of them, which is still a blessing. But I really want to see if all three of them can figure it out and put it together for a couple games and just bring this puppy home, man. I mean, I'm trying, I'm like, I'm not, I'm trying not to get ahead of myself, but it's hard. You know, like we're only four games away and old uh, saying only four, you know, seems crazy because the Suns are now only three games, but only four games, and this, this Bucks team can run off four straight. Like, I would not even be surprised. I'm, I really wouldn't. This Bucks team is dominant. So, <sighs> just trying to keep myself calm and take it one game at a time, man.
2: Yeah, that's what we got to do. I mean, we talked about it. We think that this is the most – you know, this Bucks is the most complete team in the playoffs, and you know, I still stand by that, um, even as far as health is concerned. But offensively, defensively, the Bucs are a complete team. Um It's really just about putting it all together at the same time. You know, you made a good point that it's usually two out of the three. I know I've said it before that the Bucs haven't really had a situation where all three had, you know, the top of their game performances. We haven't seen a situation where, you know, the big three combined for 90 points or anything like that. Um, I'd like to see that where, you know, a game where Giannis has 25 and 20 and Middleton has 26 points and then Drew has 22 points. But um, like you said, it just hasn't happened yet. Um, you know, you mentioned Drew Holiday. What I'd like to see is I'd like to see him play with confidence. Um, you know, he's he's good. He knows he's good. He's obviously on the Olympic team for a reason. He's yeah. just gonna play assertive. He's got a, you know, he kind of came into the situation where you know everybody's talking about Chris Paul.
1: Make him talk about Drew Holiday. Force the issue. I agree. Force the issue. All right. Drew Holiday is plenty skilled enough to go down low and make Chris Paul look six feet tall, okay? Make him look six feet tall. Chris Paul is one of those players. He's great. He actually is very good on, on, on defense. I mean, from being smaller because he's so strong. He's got such a great base and he's got great hands. I mean, he had that one strip strong. on Middleton, which you could have maybe called a foul on, but he's actually great on defense because he's so strong and he's smart. But Drew Holiday's plenty of skilled down there, man. You do the up and unders, the spins, everything. Oh, God, here we go. Tyler's starting to mix it up with Michael Larson over here showing, showing clowns.
2: But uh, oh, I we'll see, see eyeball man. emojis in the comment section future. What did you say? said I see eyeball emoji comments <laughs> in the future. <laughs> Alright, you got anything else? <laughs> oh, to it's showing to a clown for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, we could talk we could talk trash about the Vikings while we're waiting for the pie to come downstairs if you want to, because Michael Larson guy is a Vikings fan.
2: Uh, all right. So let's talk about the Brewers. Um took three out of four from the Pirates. Um I'll get your opinions first and then I'll uh I'll add anything that you missed, but Before we get into the game specifically, I do just want to throw out there the 11 game win streak that the Brewers had snapped was the second longest in franchise history. um, Their longest streak since 2003 and their record through 81 games halfway through the season um, is their second best record halfway through the season in franchise history. Um, So just all of this. You know, fire council, Stearns is a bad, you know, he's making all these trades. You know, we we should trade Yelich. so, you know, whatever. All that, calm down. Calm down on all that. It's not as big of an issue losing one game here, two games there. Even getting swept by the Reds. It happens. Brewers kicked off a big-ass win streak right after that. (laughs) Obviously, now they're on a three-game losing streak. You talked about that right before we started. Um, yep. The Brewers lost the first of their their doubleheader today. Um, and we'll talk about that. But let's start with the Pirates series. Uh, what did you see in those four games?
1: Okay. Hey, Cubs lost 11 straight. <laughs> yeah, Cubs suck. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um,
1: I was going to say, I mean, I know I just said the Cubs suck, but no team sucks worse this year than the Pirates. So <laughs> that that's nice. Uh, Brewers just—they were just hot, man, for a while. I mean, eleven-game win streak. How often do you see that in baseball? They play so many games, and you rarely see double-digit win streaks. That's special, man.
2: That's true, especially when you get into a situation like I know. I know Craig Council does this. You can act like professional baseball teams don't do this, but when they win the first two games of a series, that third game is pretty often a mulligan type game. Where yeah. They give all, the big, you know, they give all the big hitters a rest day, and it happened in that Cubs series. Um, you know, Greg Council pulled the Mulligan. You know, obviously, you know, they did the bullpen thing, and Aaron Ashby got roughed up, and the Brewers started off down seven nothing. But then all of a sudden, the Brewers like, "Hey, you guys want to win?" And then they just rattled off fifteen unanswered runs. Um, so, that being said. The 11-game win streak is is impressive. It really is. And it goes to show that the Brewers have capable hitters that just were struggling to get going. Um, Ace Peterson just came out of nowhere and started getting on base like every time he was up to bat. Um, Jackie Bradley Jr. started hitting. Um, Luis Urias was hitting well. He kind of went back down, but now today he was two for three in the first game. Um, Yeah, let's – I'll let you get back to your uh, Pittsburgh sucks narrative because I, um, I agree.
1: Yeah, I don't have – I don't there, – there really is nothing really for me to like elaborate on, I guess. I mean, the Brewers, in my opinion, are playing great defense lately. Obviously, that helps with 11-game win streak. They're hitting. They're hitting in bunches. They're hitting with people on base. That's really, really big. Um, I mean, they scored 25 runs to eight against the Pirates, which is insanity. Uh just re- really just that like you you said, you know, I, people getting on base. I mean Jason base, that was a little thing that was floating around for a little bit. And uh I see people talking about my man Hero again. Um since being called up, he's he is hitting two forty-four. So I mean that's not terrible. He's not killing it, but the Brewers, you know, obviously don't have a lot of faith in them because they just made a trade. I don't even remember the guy's name, Tellez or Teller or whatever. Uh, it's, yeah, it's Rowdy Telez. Yeah, I was uh, I was actually taking a nap during the first game, kind of in and out, and I saw him do his first at-bat for uh, the Brewers.
2: Initially. My, my thoughts on the Rowdy Tellez thing is that it has more to do with Daniel Vogelbach than it does with Keston Hira. Because if you look at a picture of, of Rowdy Tellez, you'd think it was, like, Daniel Volgobot's brother. Like, they're seriously, <laughs> they're seriously they look they look like they could be brothers.
1: <laughs> I know. I didn't know who he was, right? Because, like, I'm not, like, the biggest baseball fan in the world. Like, I don't follow everything. And I looked him up, and the first photo is him going, like, and I'm like, who is this guy, bro? <laughs> I was so like,
2: One, of, one of the things that I saw somebody say was, it looks like the Brewers googled Daniel Vogelbach and clicked on the first guy that wasn't a picture of Daniel Vogelbach, and said, "said <laughs> say no more."
1: <laughs> I mean, seems like the same thing. I mean, I remember texting you and be like, "Hey, I sent you the screenshot. Like, hey, oh, Brewers made a trade, and you're like, Daniel Vogelbach 2.0." And I'm like, "Okay, I'm not excited then." <laughs> Dude, and how, how many first basemen are we going to have?
2: So close. Their stats are so close. Like they're so similar. They're the same guy.
1: Why don't we just send Vogelbach then? Like, hey, you guys take this guy, we'll take the guy that looks like him, and we'll see if them switching teams is good.
2: So what I think this means is that Vogelbach's injury is either worse than they thought it was or is just taking longer to recover from. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see Vogelbach get shifted to the 60-day DL. I don't know. We'll, we'll know what happens, obviously, but that's – this trade seems to me, like I said, has a lot more to do with Vogelbach than it does with Hero.
1: So yeah, it's um, kind of a sideways move. It doesn't make us better.
2: Right. And they, you know, they gave up a, like a single a prospect, you know, basically, you know, not saying that it's a guy that nobody's going to miss. Cause obviously that's still a person and it's still a player in the organization, but, um, you know, not something that's going to affect the, the playoff aspirations or the division race. for yeah. the Um, Two things that I want to highlight for the first game of the Pittsburgh series one, Jackie Bradley Jr. Just being a wizard defensively. Like that was so nuts that he, he running to the warning track and he's kind of just trotting and acting like it's going to go over the fence. And then he's just like, got it. And then that throw all the way from the fence to a step inside the baseline that was just insane that that throw got there on the fly and then Keston Hira catching and making the tag. That play was it was beautiful. I remember a guy got on base, and I'm thinking, well, oh, Corbin Burns could really use a double play here. And it was really unconventional, but got the double play. Um, huge for Jackie Bradley Jr. Um, so that was good for him. Um, then the game the brewers lost so game four of the series luis urias had a deep fly out um it was in the left center part of the field um it was tracked it would have been a home run in 29 out of 30 major league ballparks (laughs) it's like okay that's yeah, it's really unlucky for Luis Urias. That ball would have been a home run in 29 out of 30 ballparks, all of them except for PNC Park, in which they were playing.
1: That's garbage. <laughs> so, uh,
2: bummer for Urias. Um, it happens. Uh, part of the game. Um, Urias would probably tell you that. Um, that being said, um, game one, the Brewers drew seven walks, only had eight strikeouts, so the plate discipline improving there. Um Keston Heroes plate discipline definitely improving. Um, Corbin Burns in that first game, seven innings and a third, five strikeouts, only one walk. So that's that's good for Corbin Burns. Um, second game, Adrian Hauser, six and two thirds, uh, only one earned run, five strikeouts, only two walks. i you know that's Right at the ceiling of how many walks I'd like to see. Um, the Brewers scored two more runs in the ninth inning of that game, continuing their ninth inning, um, you know, scoring that they've been doing since the Rockies series. Um, could have used some of that in Game One of the doubleheader, but you know, doubleheaders are only seven innings now, so they didn't get a yeah, chance to put weird. up there. I don't. I um, I'd, I'd like to see the second game of the doubleheader be shortened to seven, not both of them.
1: Yeah, like the but, first one, you could play normal. You know
2: what I mean? It, I mean, I think they ex, look at the expanded rosters too. Like, I think you should, you know, be able to do that. I get that it's a long season, but um, game three, Brewers won eleven to two. I want to give a credit to Eric Lauer for having back to back quality starts in the absence of Brett Anderson. Um, six and a third, four hits, one earned run. He did rack up four walks. So that's something for him to work on. Um, that being said, um, I said this last week, he only had 87 pitches and he was taken out. He's one of those guys you want to take out before he makes a mistake, not after. But yep. uh, he did his thing. Um, then the third or the first inning, um, three hits with two outs after Christian Yelich drew a walk, um, led to three runs. So that was that was nice to see. Um, second inning, all with two outs. Um, a double, a walk, a single, and another single led to two more runs. So the Bucks the Bucks, the Brewers, um playing a little it's bit of small ball. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: know.
2: Uh, the Brewers playing some small ball and getting out to leads. Um Craig Council talked about this when they're playing with leads about being more aggressive, and it definitely was visible with more stolen bases coming. Um Tyrone Taylor stealing bases, Yelich stealing bases. It's it's cool to see. It's it's fun to watch, honestly. Um, yeah. you know the Brewers playing with leads and then you know being aggressive as opposed to the you know the tight like you know the pitching duel. You know two to one games, three to one games um, feels a lot more relaxed and more fun when they're winning games seven to two, eleven to two, 15 to seven. Um, that being said, um, game four they lost two to zero. Um, Freddie Peralta, he had a good, you know, he had a decent start. Um, six innings, only got two runs, but the five walks jumped out really big to me. Um, yeah, Watching him pitch, it seemed like he was overthrowing the ball. Uh, like it seemed like he was trying to, you know, get two extra miles an hour on all of his pitches, and it led to him like overthrowing the ball and just missing the strikes all that much. Um, yeah. He did finish with seven strikeouts. Um, the the bunting situation. Another time where a bunt resulted in double play. Um, it's not always the best decision. That's That situation is exactly why. In first and second with one out, and you get a bunt double play, and the Pirates are out of the inning, and you bail them out. So that, not a fan. Um, I am a fan of Nick Cousins, five appearances, six and a third innings, no earned runs, 11 strikeouts, um, led to basically another bullpen guy, Trevor Richards, being expendable. He was included in that um, that Rowdy Teles deal. Um, So the Brewers are really, they're finding replacements for the bullpen, and they're they're coming by them pretty easily, honestly. Um, Even Miguel Sanchez is a guy who's been up. He's been pretty good in his limited role so far. Um, he pitched in the beginning of that at Aaron Ashby started game. Um, you know, Cousins pitching well. Um, I think the Brewers will probably still be active for another reliever yet before the deadline. Um, and then, like I said, you know, Aaron Ashby is going to be a guy that they're going to bring up from, from Nashville to use in a bullpen situation. Um, similar to what they've done with Freddie Peralta and Corbin Burns in the past. Um, you know, they've they come into the league as starters. But you know, just to kind of get their feet wet in Major League Baseball. Um, they bring them up late in seasons, have them pitch some limited innings out of the bullpen, and it's it's worked for the Brewers. So, um, last night's game. Let's talk about the Brewers Mets series. What did you? I suppose the continuing Brewers Mets series. Um, game one of the doubleheader just wrapped up. Game two of the doubleheader starts in forty minutes. So. Uh, yeah. Let's just talk about last night's game and a little bit about game one today.
1: Well, I was at work last night, so I didn't get to watch last night's game. I uh, Tuesdays kind of suck for me. Uh, I have to work in the morning, early, four a.m. I work till about one thirty, two o'clock in the afternoon. Take a little break. I go back to work at five, and then I usually work until like eight thirty, nine o'clock. Tuesdays are really, really crappy days for me. They're very long. Uh, I'm a Pepsi merchandiser, so I'm just going to say respect your merchandiser because they work hard. Tyler knows all about that. Um, but I did look at the score. I saw we lost 4-2. to two. Uh, Brewers were up 2-1 to one most of the game, if I remember correctly, until they had a three-run, yep. what was the eighth inning?
2: Uh, it? I believe no, seventh inning.
1: It was seventh inning, okay. Yep. They had three-run, seventh inning. I mean, the Brewers and Mets are very similar. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. they have great, both have great pitching. The Brewers yeah. are better on defense yeah. um, and they both have very bad streaks of hitting. They both have very bad, like where they just, they cannot hit the ball. Uh, they're both very similar. Uh, today's loss, that kind of sucked. I didn't get to see how they scored to take the lead, but because I was helping with my daughter, but I did see how the Brewers got to take the lead. Uh, the Mets pitcher walked a couple people and then he ended up hitting Yelich. And which ended up, you know, with the bases loaded, ended up uh, putting a run in for us. I didn't see how we lost the game. I, I just got the update when I was changing a poopy diaper that the the Brewers lost, and I was like, "How do you lose that?" They basically tried to hand you the game. Yeah. Um, it wasn't. We did hit two homers off uh, Degrom, which was pretty sick. Not gonna lie, that's pretty sick. Not a lot of people get Degrom, especially twice. Man, he is damn good.
2: Brewers, are the first team to get him twice.
1: Oh, wow. Really? I didn't even know first, that.
2: First team this season to have a multi-home run game off of Jacob
1: DeGrom. And Luis Urias leading off, boy. He went yard. I'm starting to like him, man. I'm starting to like I him. I like Urias. I, uh, I was
2: okay with trading Arcia. And I have I had that discussion 100 times in April about Luis Urias, Orlando Arcia. Um, yeah. I'm totally ready to ride with Luis Urias at third base. Um, yeah,
1: do you do you have any updates on RCud? Like is he playing for the Braves at all? He, he got called up
2: on Monday. He played left field the first game that he got called up. Yeah. What? Yeah. I don't yeah. I honestly I'm, I don't really look into it much cuz I don't care. But um holy crap. Holy yeah, crap. I just, I saw that, you know, in some of the Brewers groups that I'm in that he played left field in his first game when he got called up. Um oh. One other guy now that we're talking about the met series um one guy that i really want to highlight is eric strickland um hunter strickland eric strickland used to play for the bucks when they were really terrible <laughs> <laughs> that's the wrong strickland <laughs> uh, hunter strickland um nine and a third innings has not given a run yet as a Brewer. the brewer got him from the angels for cash considerations david stern says he's he's a wizard so um, we got that going for us. Um, just another reason why um, the Brewers were able to trade Trevor Richards,
1: um, who was actually pretty, pretty solid pretty for us. I thought
2: he he was up and down, really. Like when he first started pitching for the Brewers, he you know he gave up runs kind of frequently. Um, then he then he really rounded into form. He had a couple really nice outings. Um, I know I texted you the game that I was at a couple Saturdays ago. Uh, he came in with the bases loaded and he struck out the side. Um, so that was awesome. um he's just been really up and down um you know wishing the best in toronto um you know they're not going to compete the way the brewers are which is you know kind of a bummer to go on a team that's having a lot of fun winning games um to have to go to actually be the buffalo blue jays for a little while um but you know baseball is what it is um William Honest, only player with two hits in that first game. Um, Woodruff didn't really get a lot of run support. Uh, like I no. said, that seventh inning was the three runs that ended up being the backbreaker. Um, and then today, we knew Hader wasn't going to go 100%. We knew in years past that he's been vulnerable to the long ball, and today was no exception. Second battery face, he had a home run, and that's you know that squared the game. And then Suter lost the game in the eighth inning. Um, is what it is. Try to get him in the second one. Um, You
1: play 162 of them, man. Exactly.
2: I mean, we just rattled off 11 in a row after getting swept by the Reds. It's going to happen. I mean, the Cubs just
1: lost 11 in a
2: row, so it could easily be worse.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we could be the Um, Cubs. We could be as bad as the Cubs.
2: Yeah, they yeah. When we came into that series with the Cubs, we were up by what three games, and in that's in that division. I think it was three games because we were yeah, talking yeah. about the lead to six games. Yeah, and they they haven't stopped losing since then.
1: <laughs>
2: so, um, yeah, the Cubs might go into fiber sale mode.
1: I think they're going I, to got,
2: got kicked off by the Brewers sweeping them. Um, I mean,
1: if we want to stop getting new first baseman and they just want to give us Anthony Rizzo, I would be
2: yeah,
1: yeah. 1000% okay with that because Anthony Rizzo is a cool guy and he's good at baseball, so two things that I'm okay with on the Brewers.
2: I know, I hate it like like we like sports. So we're not to the point where it's like we hate every single person and player that is on every other team. Yeah. <laughs> We keep it realistic. There, there's one Cubs player that I like. It's Anthony Rizzo. I mean, I, can, I, can,
1: I, can, I can, hate the I Bears, be. but I still think Anthony Mack or uh, Khalil Mack, Anthony Mack. Jesus, uh, Khalil Mack is still cool. As <laughs> at well, least man. I
2: at the sports when I was when I messed up, you went you went to Anthony Mackey watching Captain America and the Winter Soldier. The <laughs> or something.
1: Uh, I'm thinking <laughs> about watching Loki, and then the new movie comes out on Friday. <laughs> uh, Black Widow, which I'm excited <laughs> about. Uh, there's just a lot going on in this noggin over here, man. <laughs>
2: uh, I mean, I said Eric Strickland. I bet nobody's thought about him in 15 years either. So. Man. <laughs> <laughs> i have to watch some Eric Strickland highlights after we're done.
1: Hey, I'm wearing the Mike Red, man. It makes me that's want to true. watch uh, Michael Eric Red. on. When they
2: were still purple and green. So that's that's weird. A um, couple, of, couple of good things that did come out of this um, first game, the doubleheader loss. Luis Arias back in the hitting column, two hits, three at-bats. So that's good. Um, Corbin Burns with a really quality start. Um, He only pitched five and two-thirds. If you see that and you're like, why did he only pitch five and two-thirds innings? It's because it was a seven-inning game. So that was, you know, an inning inning and a third away from being a potential complete game. So that's why. Um, Eight strikeouts in those five and two-thirds innings and no walks. So... Uh, definitely give a hand for Corbin Burns for not walking anybody. That's something when we talk about guys not going deep into games, it's because their pitch counts usually get out of control. And it's almost always the walks that end up driving their pitch count up. Um, guys like Peralta, Woodruff, and Burns, they're all power pitchers, so they're all strikeout guys. So their pitch counts are just going to be higher because they go deeper into counts because they have good stuff that makes guys swing in this. Mm-hmm. Um, versus guys like... Adrian Hauser, Eric Lauer, and Brett Anderson, who are contact, soft contact pitchers, um, and they, you know, they rely on ground balls.
0: Um, Mm -hmm.
2: So that was still a positive takeaway that Corbin Burns had a great outing. Um, It's good to see that from him in the the Burns-DeGrom matchup. Um, I think Corbin Burns had the upper hand in that one. Um, You know, it was two to one when he turned it over to the bullpen. The Brewers bullpen has been very good. Um, So... Not a whole lot of complaints there. Um, Suter's been good lately. You know, it happens. Like you said, 162 games. They're not going to win them all. So, try to get the last Agreed. one. Agreed,
1: man. Yeah, I think I think they'll come back. Like you said, after you win the first two games, last one's kind of a mulligan. Maybe the manager for the, the Mets will kind of just mail it in, you know, since they, it's a doubleheader and just let, yep. let some players get some rest and – let the brewers take this last Yeah, Let's well, we
2: get some pie in time. The brewers been, can wrap one up. Um, yeah. Yeah. You
1: got anything
2: else, Bucks and Brewers, before you get pie in the face?
1: No, I'm going to send this pie emoji to my girlfriend. Hopefully she reads <laughs> it. Otherwise, I'm going to have to call her and be like, hey, come down here and put a pie in my face.
2: All right. So I have Captain. let there be pie. I'm going to hold on to this as long as I possibly can. Um <laughs> I'm going to milk it for all that it's worth, and I will not be getting a pie yet. Um, this is going to be our, our third pie bet. Um, our second one, um, well, I guess second or third, I guess your dad's getting the third one. Um, our first pie bet was from the March Madness competition. Jake got the pie for that one for even the least March Madness picks, right? Um, we got a lot of positive feedback from the pie bets, so we're going to keep those going. And we filled one out for the NBA playoff bracket, which is why Jake's getting a pie today. Uh, if you're following on the uh, Wisconsin Sports Heroics Facebook page, uh, follow us on the Wisco Fanatics page, and you can see, you know, all the details of the pie bets. Jake and I have our brackets posted from the uh, from the NBA playoff bracket. Also, Jake's dad is getting a pie because he thought it would be a fun idea to make a pie bet on the national hot dog eating contest, which I ended up being the closest. Jake's dad put, uh, what did he have, 70 or 69?
1: He put 69. I I had 72. You had 73.
2: Jake had 72 and I had 73. Joey Chestnut broke the record, ate 76 hot dogs in 10 minutes. So I was the closest. Jake's dad was the farthest. And Jake's dad will be getting a pie sometime soon. Um, Yep. Point is, no pie for this guy. Jake's getting pie number two. So, like I said, if you follow on Sports Heroics, check us out on Wisco Fanatics so you can see the details of the pie bets as they come out.
1: You could also follow us on Instagram or YouTube. I mean, we have those pages up and running as well. So any way you wanted to follow us, we have many options. Uh, we're working on a website. We're working on getting some apparel, some T-shirts, hats, uh, joggers, stuff like that. So if you wanted to rock <laughs> with us, roll with us, I think we're pretty cool dudes. We take pies to the face and we talk about your favorite sports teams. So that seems pretty Jake cool says, to me.
2: Jake takes pie. I don't take five. Not yet.
1: Oh, I take pies to <laughs> the face. I am severely hoping that my girlfriend is not as rude as my dad because <laughs> <laughs> that last one hurt real bad.
2: I don't want I don't want her to That's count down question before question. you either. I don't want you to be ready for it and bracing for it. I just want just straight pies to the face.
1: So, if you hear a baby crying, it's yeah. an actual baby. My girlfriend had to bring the my child down here <laughs> because she just woke up from her nap. Um, so my girlfriend's getting the pie ready. We bought a a pie from Walmart. Um, this, this little plastic thing around the pie looks very dangerous. So please do not murder me. (laughs) My girlfriend's name is Chantel. Chantel, I want you to come on here and say hi to everybody first. Okay. Say hi. The camera's right here. Say hi real quick. Come in here and say hi. Hi. Okay. I'm going to put my microphone down and, uh, I'm just going to say uh, Bucks and six.
2: <laughs> don't count down for him. Just do it. Just hit him with it. I I don't him, I don't want, I don't it,
1: but I don't want just to. Just Yay.
2: <laughs> okay. Oh, I just want to lick it
1: off his face. That's fun for everybody. we got to end the camera for that. behind <laughs> face. <laughs> Uh, All right, man.
2: You got anything else?
1: No, nah, man. Uh, hopefully the Bucks can win tomorrow. Uh, my <laughs> girlfriend forgot the the towel that I had set out, so I'm just gonna finish the rest of the show with the pie in my face. Um, no. Uh, go Bucks, go Brewers, and I'll talk to you later, buddy.
2: <laughs> All right, see you next week, man. Peace out